unveiling the secrets A-list copywriters use to make themselves and their clients millions. This is the Copywriters Podcast with your host, the world's greatest copywriting coach, David Garfinkel. All right, welcome back to the Copywriters Podcast with your host, the world's greatest copywriting coach, David Garfinkel. David, how are you doing today? I'm doing great, Nathan. How about you? I'm doing fantastic. Just real quick before we jump into this, you, before we jumped on, you were talking about uh, the good old days and radio and how somebody told you you should, you should be doing a radio show back in the day. And we're about, we're almost at 150 episodes and still going strong. And Mm -hmm. just real quick, I wanted to get your thoughts on how are you enjoying doing the podcast? Yeah, I mean, I love to talk into a microphone and reach out to people in podcast land and copywriting, copywriters podcast land. No, I I love doing it. It's fun for me. Um, You know, some people said that before there were podcasts, I was told by a number of friends that I missed my calling. I was born at the wrong time because I should have been born at the golden age of radio. And it's not because I have a, a great radio voice like, you know, Ray Edwards or Edward R. Murrow. It's just because I like to do it. Well, I enjoy doing it. I, when we first started this, I never thought, I hoped, but I never imagined that we'd still be going strong 145 episodes in and it just keeps growing in popularity. And I just feel, uh, feel incredibly blessed to be part of this project. And I have fun so much every week when we get on the calls, I have so much fun. So thank you. Well, you're welcome. I think we'll do at least another 145. Well, that takes us into 2023. Nice. Okay, so what do we got? We've been going strong for the last couple of weeks, and we teased a little bit that this week's episode was going to kind of keep going on that trend. What do we got for the listeners today? We've got John Capel's Copywriting Secrets. And some people may not know who he is, so let me explain. John Capel's is best known as a pioneer and master practitioner of testing copy, but he was also a brilliant copywriter. He was born in 1900, so this is part of our old master's series. Um, He's best known as a copywriter for his ad, they laughed when I sat down at the piano, but when I began to play, which is famous to this day. He has so many awards and accolades. I'll just say he taught copywriting at Columbia Business School, one of the top business schools in the country in New York. And for my money, Columbia is the best university to train writers who go pro, go commercial, Um, content writers, certainly. Uh, Caples is truly an old master, and that's why we've included him. His book, Tested Advertising Methods, has so much value for copywriters. We could barely cover two or three percent of it in this podcast, but you'll see that two or three percent you know, drills deep and it'll probably blow your mind because it's makes stuff so clear and so simple. It's not the most fun book to read, but it's among the most valuable and it's still in print. You can get it for about 20 bucks on Amazon. We've included a link to that at the bottom of the show notes. Now I know people who've met John Caples and sadly, I never got to meet him even though he was in New York when I worked there for a few years. I've always wondered what he would say if I told him this. Copy is powerful. 
you're responsible for how you use what you hear on this podcast. And most of the time, common sense is all you need. But if you make extreme claims and if you're writing copy for offers in highly regulated industries like health, finance, and business opportunity, you may want to get a legal review after you write and before you start using your copy. My larger clients do this all the time. Okay, so let's let's dig into some of his secrets. Um, we talked about these last time with Claude Hopkins, but we have a different spin on them today. You can see that Caples is just relentless about proven tactics that work. So the first thing I want to talk about from one of his books is one of his chapters in that book is the kind of headlines that attracts the most readers. Based on tests, he says, usually headlines with a combination of self-interest and curiosity work best. Self-interest, curiosity. Sometimes adding or implying quick and easy will boost response even further. And he gets right down to cases. He gives this example, self-interest alone, and then curiosity alone, and then he combines them into a headline that already existed that did very, very well in the marketplace. Curiosity alone, how I did a fool stunt. Self-interest alone, how I became a star salesman. Both combined, how a fool stunt made me a star salesman. Okay. Uh, the headline was a control for a course on selling. and. In that, How a Fool Stunt Made Me a Star Salesman, Cables notes that quick and easy are implied, which makes the headline even stronger, because a fool stunt doesn't sound like it's that hard or takes that long to do. doesn't sound like it. It might, but it doesn't sound like it. Besides self-interest, curiosity, quick and easy, Cables says there's a fourth quality that you'll find in a lot of winning headlines, news. And here's an old example he gives of a newsy headline with strong self-interest. Announcing a new course and service for men who want to be independent in the next five years. So the word announcing makes it come across as news. Some other words that do the same thing, introducing, new, and the phrases like finally and at long last, um, anything that seems like it just happened, that's news. Um, Cables really doesn't like advertising juries and advertising awards. And I think the agency world got even with him with the highly ironic award called the Cables Award, named after him, because it's not about the profitability or the tracked results of the ad. It's about what a jury thought was a good ad. But here's why earlier in time in the book, which he published in 1974. Here's an example of why he doesn't like juries and awards for advertising. So two headlines for the same ad were presented to the jury. The first one, what would become of your wife if something happened to you? And the second one, get rid of money worries for good. Uh, in his book, Caples reports the jury favored the first headline because it seemed more logical for life insurance. And it is more altruistic and high-toned. Yet actual sales showed the second headline, Get Rid of Money Worries for Good, got a much higher response. Self-interest. Okay. Um, before I go on, any quick notes? 
Yeah, a shameless plug. Yeah. I think headlines are also very important and not to detract away from Capels, but David, you have a fantastic book on writing headlines, advertising headlines that make you rich. And so if anybody's more interested in this subject, I would definitely recommend that book because that's one of my favorite books on copy as well. Thank you. Yeah. And those are all ways of adapting proven headlines. So I'm sort of in the capable school of proven copy. Now, here's another one. This is more emotional. And Cables does not come across like a very emotional person. He's a Naval Academy graduate. He's an engineer. He worked for the telephone company as an engineer. So you never think of him as emotional. And most of his writing is not emotional. But this one, how to put enthusiasm in your copy. Uh, Enthusiasm, very important emotion. And the bottom line, and we'll get into some details, but the bottom line is forget about everyone except your prospect when you're writing. Write fast, get worked up, and let momentum launch you into a wave of enthusiasm. One reason for writer's block may be fear of not coming up with a mind-blowing headline first paragraph, which almost always dooms your copy to failure. Cable's advice is not to worry about it because you can come back up to the top of your copy later when you're already steaming forward with enthusiasm in your copy. What he's saying in effect is it's better to get going, write anything, and when you're in the groove and the enthusiasm is flowing, yeah, then go back to the beginning and redo it. Uh, Copywriting is an activity hampered by an annoying contradiction. On the one hand, it's static. It's frozen, slow, methodical, nearly emotionless when you're doing all important things like researching organizing, double-checking facts, and other preliminary stuff like that. And that part can be slow and, frankly, boring, especially for the copywriter personality. But it's necessary. And then there's the other part, dynamic, active, high-powered, enthusiastic. When you pour your enthusiasm into every word you write, hoping that you're doing it well enough to transfer your enthusiasm to the buyer. So how do you get into that? state of enthusiasm. It's what every copywriter wants to know. And the most important thing Capel suggests is throw caution to the wind. Forget about what your client will think. Forget about what your client's wife or husband will think. Forget about what Facebook will think. Forget about what the FTC will think. Just build up a head of steam, get on a roll, and let it all pour out. Now, before you publish your copy, you must cool down trim it back, make it legal, get rid of the parts that would get you in trouble. But better to do it that way than writing timid at first and trying to amp it up later. Cable says, everyone knows you can tame a wild horse and make the animal useful, but it is impossible to put life into a dead horse. The same thing is true with advertising copy. Do you have a problem with Kindle books? I do. Sometimes I really just want to hold a book in my hand so I can turn the pages and highlight stuff and make notes. That's one reason I recently released the print version of my book, Breakthrough Copywriting. And listen to this. On Facebook, I've gotten pictures posted from around the world. Pictures of people holding their printed copy of Breakthrough Copywriting in their hands, including one from an A-list screenwriter and marketer in L.A.'s famous Topanga Canyon. 
He was reading the book in his hot tub. Breakthrough Copywriting is a great book for you, whether you are a beginner or an A-lister yourself or anywhere in between. It costs a tiny, tiny fraction of my $5,000 a head seminar that the book is based on. So check out Breakthrough Copywriting on Amazon.com. Now, back to the show. Let's move on to the third one, which is simple hacks to get more opt-ins. Now, of course, the internet was not even around when Caples died. So he wasn't talking about opt-ins. He was talking about what used to be called inquiries, where you would get someone to send a coupon in the mail or pick up the phone and call maybe to request a special report and get on your list that way. This was long before lead magnets were invented. In fact, an engineer like Caples might look at the word lead magnet, read it as lead magnet and say, no, you need ferrous substances to be magnetic. But that was then, this is now. List of proven things that will increase your response dramatically. And most people fall short. These things are so basic and most people don't do them. So mention the offer in the headline and use the word free if it applies. And this could be in a Facebook ad, could be in an email, could be in a display ad. It could also be in print. Don't lead into this. Hit the nail on the head right away. So for a lead magnet, you could put the title of the free report in your headline, whether it's a Facebook ad, a print ad, etc. Subject line and email. For example, the actual headline, the actual subject line could be how I doubled my income while actually reducing my marketing costs. Uh, Hack number two, take it one step further in your second headline. So if your first headline is how I doubled my income while actually reducing my marketing costs, the second headline could be free report tells you exactly how I did it. Now, even before starting to read the actual copy, the reader already knows what they're going to get. And number three, Show a picture of what you're going to get. Um, In this example, we would put a miniature graphic of the report called How I Doubled My Income While Actually Reducing My Marketing Costs right up on the top, inset to the right if it were a print ad. It seems pretty aggressive or pretty dumb, but it works. And people do this on sales pages where they're selling info products, but you can use the same technique on a lead gen ad to get more opt-ins. Four, include a forward by a famous person in your lead magnet. Well, that might cost you some money or some good horse trading, but that could really help. And people know how to do this in books all the time. They have a famous person writing forward. I was just asked to review a book where I'm quoted, but so are maybe a hundred other copywriters. And the author got Bob Bly, famous copywriter and friend of mine, to write the forward. People do this all the time. but. How many people think to do this in a lead magnet to get opt-ins? Yet it's a great idea. Five, set a deadline. That is, if you set it, you should mean it. But if you choose to set a deadline, people who would otherwise hesitate will act right away. Deadlines create urgency. Number six, test several different lead generation ads. If you really want to scale up, test several ads in small amounts and then find out the one that produces the most for the least amount of money and roll that one out for winter. And those are some ways, yeah, simple hacks to get more opt-ins. I like the last one, testing more than just one. 
usually when I'm working with a client, we try to test two or three and whichever one is performing the best, that's the one that we put most of the um, lead gen advertising behind. Uh, the only caveat that I would say to that is once you start testing six or seven or more than that, you're going to have a giant headache trying to figure out what's working and what's not working. Right. I mean, I, I, I think testing two at a time and maybe doing that two or three times ought to, ought to work if you know what you're doing when you write all of them in the first place. Um, finally, let's talk about something Caples offers up. Three ways to multiply your copy's selling power. Now, you know, I've seen a lot of people who use elaborate NLP techniques like nested loops and embedded commands and, you know, complicated persuasion strategies. This is real simple stuff, but man, does it work? Because I've seen a lot of people who don't do this and it totally screws up their copy. Fight every urge to be philosophical, elaborate, or flowery in your writing. So first tip, write to one person in the present tense. So let's say you're selling a protein powder. Don't say, people will feel better when they use our protein powder. It's not a bad claim, but it's not as good as you feel better when you take our protein powder every day. Present tense, me and you. Two, choose simple words. Cable says, use short, simple words to express your meaning. Educated readers understand short words as well as long words. Okay, educated readers. And the masses, meaning people who don't have as much education, the masses understand short words much better. But let's go one step further something from the book. He quotes an ad about writing copy. Back in the day, big ad agencies did this. They would publish ads in Wall Street Journal or New York Times, like, like this one. I'm going to read you a paragraph from it. It's from the BBDO agency. Uh, this paragraph from the whole ad, he reprinted the whole ad, but this paragraph stood out to me. Short words are pleasant to read. The eye picks up their meaning without conscious effort. But the average reader stumbles over pompous words and loses his mental balance. They annoy and bore him. After about two staggers, his interest wanders and he turns the page. Or on the internet, you could say, after about two staggers, their interest wanders and they click away. Finally, Number three, simple hack, make every advertisement a complete sales talk. Don't expect people to know anything about your product. Don't expect them to remember what they read before, even if it was something they read before five minutes in your funnel, five minutes ago. Bring in every important argument into every actual sales piece. Don't expect your reader to remember anything or, God forbid, figure anything out for themselves because that involves work and they won't do it. So just to give you an idea of the value of this book, what I just gave you are three ways he lists in the chapter, 20 ways to increase the selling power of your copy. And I believe there's 14 chapters in the book. It's incredible gold mine of good stuff, tested advertising methods, 
by John Caples. I wish I'd met him even if I wasn't going to tell him that copy is powerful. <laughs> um, Nathan, what are your thoughts about writing simple and all that? Uh, I agree 100%. I think that one thing that I see a lot of my clients and even other copywriters out there, uh, especially like on Facebook ads, because a lot of times the people running the Facebook ads are not direct response copywriters. The, hey guys, or hey everybody, that's how they, they start out their message. Emails, a lot of times when people are writing emails, they're thinking, oh, I'm sending this out to my list. Or when they're writing a Facebook ad, they're saying, hey, I'm promoting this Facebook ad to my audience. And they don't realize, no, you're writing to one person. And if you want that message to connect, you need to make sure that it sounds like it's written to one person. Yep. Absolutely. And yeah, people, they just don't understand how it works. And they figure, oh, I'm just going to write like I talk. And I'm talking to all these people. And, you know, that Hey Guys thing would work if you could get all of your list in one room and you projected the ad up on a computer screen. Um, but, and they were all reading at the same time. But that's not how it happens. And I think the psychology of it is when we're writing a sales page, we assume people are going to be reading it one at a time. So con subconsciously, it's easier to make that adjustment. But when we send out an email or when we do a Facebook ad, we assume everybody's going to be reading it at once and not checking that subconscious bias is what, in my opinion, I think that's why a lot of people do that. Yeah. And, and it hurts their sales. So stop doing that. Start <laughs> David, doing that. David, we will make sure to put uh, the link to tested advertising methods in the show notes. Until next time, you can always check out copywriterspodcast.com and get your audio podcast fix. And we will catch you next time. Catch you next time. Before we go, a quick question. Would you like to have me as a guest on your podcast? Let me give you an easy way to contact me about that. We've put up a form on garfinkelmedia.com, and it won't take much more than a minute to fill it out. So if you'd like to have me on your show, just go to garfinkelmedia.com and fill out the form. That's garfinkelmedia.com. Thanks, and see you next time on the Copywriters Podcast. This is the Copy and Funnels Podcast Network. 